Last night, lightning struck our house and burned it down. I escaped wearing only my nightclothes. In an instant, everything was vaporized. Laptop, cinders. Phone, ashes. Home server, a smoldering wreck. YubiKey, a charred chunk of gristle. This presents something of a problem. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan, and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. I hope you guys had a wonderful weekend and are ready to start a new week all about Bitcoin with some great reads. Uh, hopefully an interview coming pretty soon. We haven't completely scheduled it yet, but I've got something really, really fun uh, that I want to talk about. And I also think is actually applicable to the read that we're doing today. And I mentioned it a little bit in the guy's take. For those of you who are new, I am Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know, and we're going to read about Bitcoin today. And this is a really fun one. This is one that I actually was, uh, just kind of made me sweat a little bit when I read it the first time, because it's crazy to think about, you have to think about all of your failure modes, because there's very realistic scenarios that are very rare, but can cause an enormous amount of problem, and especially with all of the focus around running your own servers and being self-sovereign is that, and I mentioned this in the guy's take, is that one of the ways that we protect ourselves from the risk of many different counterparties, we end up making ourselves vulnerable to a single geographic issue or failure. So this was just a really great story, I thought, that got me thinking differently about my setup, and I thought that would be very useful you and to have a discussion about how to protect yourself and how to make it so that you can have the fewest number of backups that recover the largest number of things or the largest access or you know reaccesses your entire digital life while opening yourself to as few vulnerabilities as possible and i just hope that this gets you thinking about your security differently so really quick i want to thank our sponsors before we jump into the read one is CoinKite, the guys who make the cold card and keep your Bitcoin safe. And they literally have Bitcoin hardware solutions for all of your problems, including the one that we're going to talk about in this read. Back your seeds up on a seed plate, on a metal plate, and it will survive the fire. And you can get 10% off everything with code Bitcoin Audible. Then for anybody new to Bitcoin or been in Bitcoin or is an expert in Bitcoin, there is one service that will give you everything you need about Bitcoin and is the best onboarding for anyone, and that is Swan Bitcoin. Market analysis, uh, the best resources, uh, the best community, direct service for the everyday buyer, the automatic stacker, and automatic withdrawal to your cold card, you name it. Swan is the Bitcoin onboarding service. Please don't go anywhere else. It doesn't get simpler. Swanbitcoin.com slash guy. And then lastly, you got to fix your fiat. And the, and the way to fix fiat is to get sats back on everything that you buy. The Fold debit card, the Fold app, and their gift cards. And you can now buy Bitcoin directly with your Fold card. It is a no-brainer 
and you can get 50,000 sats right now. If you go to guyswan.com slash fold, 50,000. And it gives me 50,000 too. I don't know how long they're going to keep this up, but this is a great way to give some sats and get some sats. Guyswan.com slash fold. You don't, have to, you don't have to pay for a subscription or anything. You literally just go get the app. Check them out. All right, with that, it's time to get into today's read. And it's titled, I Locked Myself Out of My Digital Life by Eden. Imagine, last night, lightning struck our house and burned it down. I escaped wearing only my nightclothes. In an instant, everything was vaporized. Laptop, cinders, phone, ashes, home server, a smoldering wreck, YubiKey, a charred chunk of gristle. This presents something of a problem. In order to recover my digital life, I need to be able to log into things. This means I need to know my usernames, easy, and my passwords, hard. All my passwords are stored in a password manager. I can remember the password to that, but logging into the manager also requires a 2FA code, or two-factor, which is generated by my phone. The phone, which now looks like this. Insert image of a charred carcass of a smartphone. Oh. Backups. I'm relatively smart and sensible. I regularly exported my TOTP secrets for the two-factor and saved them in an encrypted file on my cloud storage, ready to be loaded onto a new phone. But to get into my cloud, I need my password and two-factor. And even if I could convince the cloud provider to bypass that and let me in, the backup is secured with a password which is stored in, you guessed it, my password manager. I am in cyclic dependency hell. To get to my passwords, I need my two-factor. To get my two-factor, I need my passwords. Perhaps I can use my MFA FIDO2 key. Insert image of the melted carcass of a YubiKey. Oh. Emergency contacts. Various services allow a user to designate an emergency contact, someone who can access your account in extremis. Who do you trust enough with the keys to your digital life? I chose my wife, the wife who lives with me in the same house, and obviously has just lost all her worldly possessions in a freak lightning strike. Oh. Recovery codes. Most online services which have multi-factor authentication also provide recovery codes. They are, in effect, one-time override passwords. A group of random characters which will bypass any security. Each can only be used once and then is immediately revoked. I was clever. I hand-wrote the codes on a piece of paper so they can't be recovered from my printer's memory and stored them in a fireproof safe secured with a key hidden under the cat's litter box. Sadly, the fireproof safe wasn't lightning strike safe and is now obliterated, along with the cat's litter box. The cat is fine. I know, I know, I should have kept them in a lockbox in my local bank. The only problem is virtually no banks offer safe deposit boxes in the UK. The one that does charges me £240 per year. A small price to pay for some to avoid irreversible loss, but it adds up to a significant ongoing cost. But suppose I had stored everything off-site. 
All I'd need to do is walk up to the bank and show some ID, which proved that I was the authorized user of that box. The ID which has just been sacrificed in tribute to Mighty Thor, and now looks like a melted waxwork. Oh. Friendly Neighborhood Storage Perhaps what I should have done is stored all my backup codes and recovery keys on a USB stick and then given them to a friend? There are a few problems with that. 1. Every time I sign up to a new service, I would need to add it to the USB stick. How many times can I pop round with a fresh stick before it becomes an imposition? 2. What if my friend, or their kid, accidentally wipes the drive? 3. If a freak lightning storm hits both our houses at the same time, I still lose everything. For even if I did all of that, I would have to give the USB stick a strong password to make sure my friend didn't betray me, so I either need to remember that, or I'm stuck in the password manager paradox. Perhaps I could split the USB sticks between multiple friends using Shamir's secret sharing. That solves some problems, mostly the accidental losses and remembering a strong password, but creates even more issues. Now I have to do a lot more administration and worry about all of my friends conspiring against me. Phone Home One of the weakest forms of identity is the humble phone number. Several of my accounts use my mobile number to text me authorization codes. SMS isn't the most secure way to deliver passwords. It can be intercepted or the SIM can be swapped to one controlled by an attacker. But if I can get my phone number back, I stand a chance of getting into my email and perhaps some other services. That's a weakness in my security posture, but one I may need to take advantage of. The only question is, how do I prove to the staff at my local phone shop that I am the rightful owner of a SIM card, which is now little more than soot? Perhaps I can just rock up and say, don't you know who I am? I know, I'll show them my passport. Insert image of the burnt carcass of a passport. Oh. Bootstrapping of trust. I am lucky. I have a nice middle-class life and know lots of professionals, doctors, lawyers, teachers, who I hope would be happy to vouch for me. I could use one of my friends to confirm my identity for a replacement passport. Once I have a passport, I should be able to get a SIM card with my phone number and, I hope, some online services. I would, however, need to use a credit or debit card to apply for a replacement passport. But all of my cards are melted to slag and I can't prove to the bank that I am who I say I am because I don't know my account number, password, or mother's maiden name. You see, I was, quote, clever and took some idiot's advice about setting your mother's maiden name to being a random string of characters. Those details are, of course, stored in my inaccessible password manager. Hopefully, one of my friends will be prepared to lend me 75 and a half pounds to get a new passport. I'll just call up one of my friends. Hmm, now, where did I store their phone number? Oh. Starting over. Again, I'm lucky. I live relatively close to some friends and family, and I'm confident that they'd be gracious enough to pay an emergency cab fare if I started hammering on their door at silly o'clock in the morning. With their help, I think I could probably call up enough insurance companies to figure out which one covered the property. I would hope the insurance company would have some way of validating with the emergency services that the house is indeed a smoking crater. 
I don't know if that would get me emergency cash or if I'd have to rely on friends until I get access to my bank account. I assume my credit card companies can probably be convinced to send out replacement cards, but will they also be willing to change my address? Or will the card go to the pile of ashes which was formerly my home? I don't know whether my insurance policy covers me for access to digital files. Even if it did, I'm not sure how they can force a company like, say, Google to give me access to my account. It isn't like Google went through a KYC, know your customer process, when I signed up. Code is Law This is where we reach the limits of the Code is Law movement. In the boring analog world, I am pretty sure that I'd be able to convince a human that I am who I say I am, and thus get access to my accounts. I may have to go to court to force a company to give me access back, but it is possible. But when things are secured by an unsaleable algorithm, I am out of luck. No amount of pleading will let me without the correct credentials. The company which provides my password manager simply doesn't have access to my passwords. There is no one to convince. Code is law. Of course, if I can wangle my way past security, an evildoer can also do so. So which is the bigger risk? An impersonator who convinces a service provider that they are me? A malicious insider who works for a service provider? Or me permanently losing access to all of my identifiers? I don't know the answer to that. If you have a strong opinion, please let me know in the comments section. In the meantime, please rest assured that my home is still standing. Alright, that wraps up our read. I have locked myself out of my digital life. I want to talk about this, and more specifically, I want to talk about how to manage your keys and how to think about the failure mode, which is what this whole article is, right? An exploration of a failure mode. Um, but uh, really quick, let's hit our sponsor, and then we will jump back into Guy's Take. In regards to Bitcoin security, the first thing you need without question is a good, reliable, trustworthy Bitcoin hardware wallet. That is the cold card Mark IV. The second thing you need is a backup. The quicker and the easier, the better. The cold card gives you micro SD backup that you can do right from the get-go and you have it ready to go whenever you need it. The third stage is when you protect yourself from fire from losing all of your devices and your backup. And the CoinKite store literally has everything you need. You've got the punch uh, seed plates to back up your seed storage, to protect it from a burned down house, to, from an incredibly hot fire. You can still recover your seed phrase, and it is very easy to do. I have done it. And for if you ever lose your device or you need to recover, you've got your micro SD card, which is incredibly quick and simple to make that backup during your initial process. And then you've got a hardware wallet that is not only super secure for cold storage and has an air gap, is air gapped by default, but even is incredibly accessible and uh, versatile and has a NFC option so you can use it on the fly uh, with a mobile wallet. All of these options and many more at the CoinKite store. In my code, we finally fixed it and I've decided to make it permanent since some people had problems during the holidays. The code Bitcoin Audible gets you 10% off everything in the store. The link and the discount code will be right there in the show notes description of this episode. Check it out.
So what's scary about this hypothetical is that I think most people, the overwhelming majority of people would be in this situation, that they have a very, the one thing that I think a lot of people have in their setups is a geographic point of failure. And that includes me. I am a little bit better off. I have changed and updated my my failure modes of this sort um, uh, not too long ago, mostly because I had, I was trying to make my iPhone 7 last for like another year or two. And I'd had that thing for God knows how long. And I didn't want to invest in a new phone. Um, and it still had at least 30 minutes of battery life. Uh, so I was going to, I was going to push it as far as I could let it go. Um, get it to go. And then I just woke up one morning and there was like an update in the middle of the night and it was just gone. It was just, it wouldn't respond to anything. It wouldn't boot up. Um, like it was just dead. And I tried all the tricks and all everything and I was not prepared. I mean, I talked about it on the show for anybody who's listening, been listening, who listens to that many episodes cause they're weird. Um, but uh, also who's been listening since then, uh, you know that I had like 20 some odd wallets. I can't remember exactly the number, but I had a ton of Bitcoin wallets that I was trying to restore, which was actually kind of a good exercise. Um, like as huge of a pain as it was. And the biggest pain was that I had to actually send it off to get someone to recover the backup, like to to mirror a backup from the drive itself and take the phone apart. It was $3,300 out of pocket. So understand that when these things go wrong and you need it back, um, and I did actually recover, I mean, I probably could have gotten back. Like, I don't think I would have lost that much in Bitcoin, but I would have lost photos that I can't get back. I would have lost a lot of subjectively valuable things that I did not want to lose. Um, So I ended up booting it up on, uh, I still have a, a copy of it. My, my, it was funny after they took it apart and put it back together, and they even said that sometimes this happens. It comes back to life, and it literally like, came back on, and I could cut it on and use it for a little while, and I got a lot of my two-factor codes off of it. Um, uh, but um, uh, it crapped out again like four days later. Um, and it's been it's been dead, dead ever since. But that got me to update a lot of my processes. And now LastPass, the hack from LastPass, which is a password manager, um, uh, that's got me, like, I don't I don't trust. I mean, obviously they say, um, and I talked to a number of people, like you guys who have DM'd me and asked about it. Like, you know, it's, oh, it's, they haven't hacked into people's vaults, right? Well, they're was potentially the indication there was somebody like some Ethereum guy who was posting that they got seeds. Somebody got their seed phrases that were in the last pass vault that were behind his secure random mini character password. I have not seen that indication from anybody else. Could have been somebody just fishing for attention. Don't really know the person, but, um, I don't see any indication to think that that would be the case, but I'm not trusting that. Like, so like what I said to a couple of people in the DMS that asked me, you know, my thoughts on it is that cause I have most of my digital life on that password manager. And luckily I do have 
the password. I have a very good password and I do have a proper backup of my two-factor. But I do not trust that it is not accessible. Um, regard, I mean, LastPass kept dropping little news items that was like, oh, it's a little bit worse than we said the first time. Okay, it was a little bit worse than that even. So and it's a third party, man. I just, so I've been slowly but surely, I probably do a couple of them every day. I hit the very first day, I like changed like 20 of the most important passwords and emails and accounts and stuff that I have. And I've been slowly working through them, but I've got hundreds like i've got a mountain of them and i've been in a habit of just making a new randomly generated password for every single one of them so without the password manager i lose a lot of those but this is this story and i it's funny when i first read this i thought it was real um i somehow i missed the first word imagine dot 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 and apparently this was the case of numerous other people who read this um and it wasn't until the end that i was like oh okay this is not a true story um because uh, I was like, oh my God, this situation just keeps getting worse. And as someone who knows exactly what it feels like to be permanently locked out of some Bitcoin, um, I get it. This was a very, this was a very stressful read because I, I can see, I can see this happening to me. And, and that's one of the big trade-offs is you're trying to figure out whether or not a hacker or an abusive government or yourself is your greatest enemy. And I feel like more often than not, it's yourself. And part of that is my bias, is the fact that that's the only way I've lost coins. But I know a lot of those stories. And, you know, usually, more often than not, someone makes the situation, the makes their situation too complicated, trying to make it secure. And the more complicated it is, the more likely... Sure, the more secure from some third party or degree of attacker, but the greater the likelihood that you have done something wrong or you forget or you don't properly record how it went down or how you uh, set up your situation and it becomes unrecoverable or you miss a piece. The more pieces and the more moving functions and gears that you're creating in your setup, the more likely something is going to break or something is going to get lost and you don't realize it. And until you try to recover, like a good example actually is like, I have always been a fan of moon wallet, M U U N. It's a lightning wallet. Um, but I'll admit I've actually kind of moved away from it specifically because their backup system is overly complicated. It is secure, but it is secure because it's got like one too many steps. And there was like a local password and then your seed backup and I didn't realize that without my password, I couldn't get back into it. And I didn't quite, I still, thinking about it right at this moment, I still can't remember exactly how their setup is. But out of all the things on my old phone when it shit the bed, Moon was actually the only one that I lost. I think I only had like 300,000 sats in it or something like that. It wasn't, it wasn't like a ton. I just kind of casually used it. Um, but it had been a reliable thing, and I thought I had a proper backup. Like, I had, like, an iCloud backup thing, and that's usually what I do with my Lightning uh, my Lightning wallets. So I like to have a cloud backup because I think of them as a hot wallet anyway. So as long as it's, as it's encrypted somewhere with a password, I think that's an acceptable risk. Is I'm real, I realize that I'm using a third party, or maybe I'm using 
uh, you know, some other cloud server or computer somewhere to store a backup of it, but it's encrypted. And if anybody ever hacks into it, it's like, well, crap, I lost the cash in my wallet sort of thing. Um, I don't keep my cold storage that way, even slightly. That's the reason it's called the cold storage. That's why you put it on a cold card. It's not hot. It's cold. But this is, this situation is such a good example of how even how our practices are just not prepared for an internet that has immensely valuable information on it. Um, we are an illiterate population. And uh, this is one of the prime examples of the utter failure of the schooling system is that like even today, even today, the overwhelming majority are practically, unless you go to a very well-off, like, uh, forward-thinking community and uh, one that's wealthy and actually cares, where the parents are actually involved in the education, you won't even learn how to, there will not be anything about learning how to code. And I don't care about what you think about AI or whatnot, like taking that job. It's not. It's not going to take the job of understanding how these blocks fit together. And it is the most important. We have missed the 30 most important years for teaching that skill. And, and yet the market has been screaming for the entire time. This is valuable. These are the skills we need. And it's not taught anywhere. We're still, in fact, we're, we're more worried about teaching women's studies or some specific racial studies that just like generic history or something like that than actual skills the the education system is so unbelievable the chasm between the education system and like what the actual economy needs is could has never been greater like they just have nothing to do with each other when you're done with school if you didn't actively think Oh, like plan for like, this is what I should do. And this is what's going to be marketable in the job. And I need to learn how to use Excel because it's on like every job application or some crap like that. You wouldn't learn that in school. You wouldn't learn any of that. If you took like the general knowledge stuff, you would go out in the job market with nothing to show for it. You'd be like, I got a GED. I got a college degree, a college degree in what? General. Oh, so you took high school 2.0 and you have none of the relevant skills that I need for you to be a productive person. And the best thing you can do is, uh, you know, follow explicit instructions and you don't have and you're scared to actually venture out or try something on your own because you're going to get a bad grade. I do not want to hire you because now I have to teach you what you should have been learning in school for the last 20 years. Anyway, um, back to key management. Um, this is why I actually think. Um metal seed phrase and backup things are actually really important um like like i think that is the failure mode and i have a couple of them um and also also this is i would never rely on this as a permanent backup but memorizing 12 words memorizing 24 words not that hard if you try to memorize like your cold storage seed phrases and then refresh it every couple of weeks. If you had one of these disaster scenarios and you could not, you did not have a backup, you might not perfectly remember it. Like I would never like actively destroy my hardware wallets and my seed phrases and rely purely on my memory. But there may be a situation like 
it's it's better than nothing especially if you use the uh, what's the tactic where you create like an image in your head based on the things like you create like a little scenario or something so you can mostly remember the words in that situation it really does not take that long to memorize the words and maybe you get it 80 percent right when you're trying to recall it because you you know hadn't refreshed it in a couple of months and you kind of forgot about it and then your house burned down you end up in this situation like this dude uh in the article and you're trying to figure it out well it's something that you can continue thinking about and slowly oh that's right it was this word like that sort of thing and if you you're down to like two words left or something like that that's where you're talking about being able to brute force um the rest of it like it it becomes a monstrous pain in the butt but you might be able to get your funds back you might be able to get your keys back i will say it's your best no cost third backup you want your primary backup you want your things burned down shit hit the fan backup of your backups and then i think just relying on memory if everything else fails and something goes terribly wrong um is is a good third line of defense but on the metal seed thing i actually want to go over um maybe maybe in another episode when we talk specifically about seed phrases and stuff and like what they are really um in the back to basics or bitcoin basics uh stuff but you don't have to spend a ton of money on like a cypher wheel like those are cool and they're really nice um and you got the punch plates the punch plates are not expensive um but honestly particularly if you want to just kind of have the freedom to back up anything because you can back up one really interesting way to make a password that's easy to remember um this is something that i've done before and you know there's a there's a little bit of obscurity uh security through obscurity and like how your your setup in your home is um but there's a couple of little tricks that you can do um that i have done in the past that let you uh save as little information as possible but have um uh has high a degree of uh entropy in your password creation process or something like that um as possible so you can't just like guess the password so one thing i've used in the past that i think this will just kind of help how to think about things is memorizing a uh, a word and a number. Bob 15. Now that's a horrible password. You don't ever want to use that as a password. But if you hashed Bob and you started a 12-character password, like you just always use 12-character passwords, and you started a 12-character password on the 15th character of the hash of Bob, well, the end result of that is a really really secure password um a randomly generated you know 12 characters essentially and someone has to know your system and and i just because i'm mentioning this i wouldn't use this or at least not in exactly this way but little tricks like that could actually enable you to be able to save something far far smaller and that you can derive a lot of passwords from like another example might be 
Bob is your word that you're generating a hash from, but uh, you put the word and then the name of the service together, and then you hash that and use you know whatever character it is and then literally you can just stamp bob on a piece of metal and then save that and you just know if you if of course you know your setup and this this is getting borderline is your setup too complicated to recreate it later but the idea is that you could stamp something in metal that you could then derive passwords from and you could protect that one thing. This is sort of in line with using a hardware wallet to generate passwords or using a hardware wallet to actually log into services. And this is where I hope slash tags and hole punch and these things like a, a Noster or Noster um, basically using a public key as your identity after the infrastructure shifts over i think we're going there i think this is one of those examples as to why it's so important that we go there um because when you have like a ton of different two factors you have a hundred different passwords and you know you've you've got this circular one is dependent on the other because your backup is in your password manager of your two factor that was on your computer and you can't get into your password manager because you don't have your two-factor etc etc like when you get into this circular everything has gone wrong uh and everything is dependent on the last this is because you have too many pieces right and my go-to for i just think the poor man simplest way to have metal seed backup is a 20 dollar punch metal punch from amazon and uh washers and bolts you can and uh jameson lop does a i think he did a video i think it was lop did the video i know he did tests of like a whole bunch of different seed backups um maybe it was just maybe it's just an image i'm thinking about but um i feel like i've seen a video set up of this too but you stack all the washers together and you put a nut and a bolt together and hide it stash it away somewhere whatever your whole house burns down that thing gets blazing bright red hot you sift through the ashes and that seed phrase will still be there you'll be able to see that on those washers i'll see if i can find the link to that i highly recommend that one that's a really really cheap way to it requires time it requires time and specifically like making sure that you have a backup process the most important thing you can do is when you're setting up wallets and setting up services is do the backup ritual whatever ritual you have get something formalized get something where you behave exactly the same way in all of these situations i have that for my bitcoin stuff specifically and i've kind of doubled down i cleaned it up and made it more concrete since my phone problem and every single time i open up a wallet or start a new thing that i'm playing with i do the ritual i do the whole process and I'm essentially safe from the, and it doesn't even take that long, especially if you get used to it and you make it part of your process. It's quick. Um, but I'm safe from like my devices failing. I'm safe from losing my iCloud. And the one thing that probably I don't have proper offsite. So one of the reasons this story specifically was scary enough for me and was something that I wanted to cover is because I would be in many ways susceptible to this if I could not grab one or two items that had the most 
you know, that are nearby that I know where they are. But if the house was burning down, I would have to grab that and get out. And if I lost that opportunity or that opportunity was never there, I could be in a bad way. But you can stamp anything with a little stamp kit and some washers. And I just realized that all I need to do is do that on another one. Um, and I can stamp a password. Um, and also, if you have a password manager, like, so KeyPass X is a really good one. And one of the great things is that you can have two, KeyPass X lets you, um, it's a password manager that you can host yourself. And then there's Bitwarden, which you can do on like Embassy. But if your embassy's in your house and it burns down, well, that's a problem. You lost your embassy. You've lost your self-sovereign, all your stuff, which sucks because yeah, a, a, you don't want to lose your embassy. But if you're doing every, if you're relying on your own hardware for everything, it's even worse because now you can't even recover. You don't have a LastPass server to go to or an iCloud to go to because you were hosting it yourself, right? So that is always a trade-off to think about. But if you're using your own password manager, use an incredibly secure password um, and save a backup of it um, on some service that you know you can get into. iCloud, Google Drive, Dropbox, like something like that. And remember, don't put seed phrases in password managers. I would keep your digital life and your, um, your Bitcoin keys separate. Password managers are for usernames and passwords, uh, you know, paper seed storage and metal seed storage are for your Bitcoin seeds and, you know, micro SDs. That's actually one of the great things about the cold card is, uh, and the Bitbox is the micro SD backup. Uh, whereas cold card lets you do a password protected. So you, you can encrypt your backup. But I tell you what, that is a really nice feature just to have a really simple backup and somehow having something physical, like you literally just plug it in and then say backup. And then you have this micro SD card and then you just know this micro SD card is my money. It's my backup. It's my safety. Obviously, that's not going to survive a lightning strike and burning down the house. But just in the realm of having something easy, something to make your process simple. That's a big deal. Very often, simple is best. And as difficult as it is being uniform so that you're using the same process every single time um, so that you don't have to remember multiple processes and, you know, you, you have one system. Trust me, I know how hard that can be, particularly when you feel like all of your systems might be insufficient and you're still learning the processes and all this stuff. And I know that's why all of this feels really intimidating. And I don't mean to share a horror story, but it's something to think about. Like what we need is literacy of this. We need computer security and um, password and identity management literacy. We, we don't have it. But one good thing Another thing that I, I wanted to mention specifically is you, if you have a hard time coming up with randomly generated passwords or I guess maybe the memorizing randomly generated passwords and like having them with a password manager, use a password manager that has an offsite backup that you can get to easily and use a pass a passphrase to protect the password manager that has six words 12 words like treat it like a bitcoin seed 
And this is actually one of the things that's got me so excited about slash tags is it, you know, kind of removes that. You don't have usernames and passwords for anybody who supports slash tags. You just have an ID that has a 12 word seed and you can just log into all of the websites by just signing. So you don't have usernames and password with websites and they're no longer a point of failure, all that good stuff. But different conversation for a different day. But um, you can use that process and that entropy. Like it's really easy to memorize six words. And six words uh, in the, the word database for like bit 48, um, uh, randomly generated, super easy to memorize six words and that's 2048 to the sixth power because there are 2048 words in the um in the standard well i mean there's a couple of different ones but i'm pretty sure bit 48 has 2048 words wait a second i think it's bit 39 whatever but six random words are actually comparable in entropy to um to 12 random characters. I think it's a little bit less, but it's comparable. And six words are way easier to memorize than 12 random symbols, characters, capitalization, etc. And specifically if it's for your password manager or something that has access to recover all of your two-factor, maybe you keep them in separate password managers. That's an interesting, that could be an interesting, you know, trick just to, to separate those things. And you have two major um, passwords for basically to get back all of that. You stamp those, you go to Lowe's, get some cheap washers and a bolt and stamp it into, stamp those major passwords into that bolt or into the washers, store that crap away. Your house gets struck by lightning and burns down. You can still get to those. You log into your iCloud um, and you have your backup of your password manager, et cetera, et cetera. So you have a major password for whatever your uh, your uh, predominant service is. So let's say Apple. And then you have a major password for your password manager. And you stamp those suckers in metal. And then for a really small amount of money, you've got something that you can stamp the next one in. If you ever have to, you know, Apple gets hacked and you know you can't use that iCloud password or whatever anymore you gotta update your stuff well you've still got the kit you you know get some extra washers and bolts like that's just not hard to have a little box or something stored away somewhere um so if you're trying to uh protect yourself from that failure mode for in the 30 dollar range i think that's about as good as it gets it does mean that you have to change your process, but using a password manager and just treating it so that you know you can get your password manager back and think about that failure mode. Think about what would happen in that scenario because you can protect from it. And I don't think it's as hard as it might seem like at first, whether or not it's unfamiliar to begin with. And it's literally something that a few hours and thinking about how to make your setup um, simple and, you know, one extra layer of protection. Like basically purposefully designing your setup and thinking about your security and your backups and being serious about it. And then taking a few hours and, you know, a couple of meals worth of money 
uh, sats and dedicating it to protecting your setup could mean the difference between when something crazy happens. Like, that's a whole lot cheaper than insurance. When something, when literally the worst of the worst happens, you might still be able to get all of your stuff back. And I'll tell you, as someone who dealt with the span of time with my phone where I wasn't sure I was going to get anything back and then spent the $3,300 and they were able to recover the stuff, the difference in that feeling, even knowing that it cost me that much money, I wouldn't, it was worth it. It was worth it. It's, I'm okay to have lost that money to, to know that I got that information back and I have it accessible. You know, you probably don't think about how valuable, or at least like myself, I am very serious about like taking pictures and video of a lot of stuff. In fact, particularly with like Rad, um, like I do a backup of my iPhone every single night now um, just because, uh, uh, I mean, since, since I've had Rad, I take way more video and pictures literally every single day. But sometimes you don't think about how much value there is on your phone because maybe you're thinking of explicit things like oh i have money i have bitcoin in this wallet you know and i have this account that i can get to but you forget how how valuable your notes are you might forget how valuable your pictures are and because they're like easily accessible you might forget or might not realize just how vulnerable they are that they literally are only on the phone if you lost the phone I was in the situation with the iPhone 7. I literally thought that there were like just three years of my life. Like 90% of the digital record that, that even any of those things even existed was gone. So it's worth it. It's worth it. I, I, the whole point of this story is to just get you thinking about your backups again. To think about your security. To think about your failure mode. What are you vulnerable to? And what's the simplest solution to, to make you not vulnerable to that thing um, and that's uh, easily repeatable and can be done to migrate, um, migrate or update any of your previous situation with this new system. And take the time. Be serious about it. You know, treat it like... You know, you have like an estate plan, you have a business, you spend time figuring out a resume and a job, you, uh, you pick out what phone you want, like a lot of people spend a lot of time shopping and all of these things, like just take the time, think about it, it's important and it's increasingly important and it's only going to get more and more so as time goes on. And there's constant leaks. There's constant hacks. I feel for everybody out there who is dealing with the same situation with LastPass. Like I even thought about, I have used LastPass enough and I like them enough that I would even love to have them as a sponsor. And I don't even want to, I would not have been happy about that situation. Um, but third parties are just, it's tough, you know, particularly with the way the relationship between client and server and user and service are on the internet. It was not designed for security. It was designed thinking that we were just going to be sharing emails. Like it was just designed for basic communication and it just wasn't considered that important. We've basically been hacking security together in, you know, kind of a backsplaining sort of way is that we're like, 
oh, these things are actually getting really important. We should have had some sort of a security, so we're going to band-aid it. We're going to ghetto rig it here. And this sort of works, but holy God, it's a horror to manage. Oh, well, we'll have a manager for it, and everybody will keep it. Oh, now, boom, we have this giant single point of failure, and the password manager gets hacked, and yada, yada. I'm hoping that with Bitcoin and with the way the thinking about security today and particularly in the most forward thinking, the builders that I think are building the future and where we are going to, they have thought about this problem completely differently and they recognize the shift that has to happen. We still have to develop a standard, um, which is going to be the messy splinter into a thousand different ways process that it always is, but it's getting there. And, uh, on the other side, I think this situation is going to be a lot easier. I genuinely think we will have something closer to a seed phrase that is able to recover access to all of our digital life, but we're not there yet. And there will be a transition and there's plenty of things that we need to protect now to make sure that we don't get screwed on our way to that better place, so to speak. But this actually leads me to mention something that we will be covering shortly on the show um or at least i hope i i don't think we've scheduled anything yet um but uh rob hamilton is working with miniscript and miniscript has actually been around for three or four years or something like that it's 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 been there for a little while, a while. andrew andrew polstra and um peter wella um a bunch of the core devs like worked extensively on this and it's largely been unutilized, but it is a way to simplify and very easily create complex key setups. And I think this is a highly undertapped tool that will open us to a lot of unique solutions to these problems. And one of those things that I want to talk about when we have an episode on this is called cascading keys. And it's essentially a setup that you can literally just use devices as keys and treat it as if um, uh, without actually, quote unquote, having a backup because each device has a certain amount of access. And if you lose devices, your multi-sig moves to a time lock. So let's say you've got like a two of three and it includes like a cold card hardware wallet, NFC to a mobile wallet. And the mobile wallet on your phone is also a key and you've got two of three. Well, you can have it so that it goes to a two of two if you can't sign it uh, for three months. So essentially, if you lose a critical key, you can have it so that it takes fewer keys after a certain amount of time. And then do it again, that if you're down to one key, well, then that means you have to wait six months. You have to wait a year. Or you can have a completely different setup where they were talking about like having friends. Um, in, uh, in the article, he's talking about like, oh, well, you're going to Shamir secret sharing with your friends. That's way too complicated, way too frustrating of a setup. But what if you had it so that your friends, you had three trusted friends and family members could unlock your Bitcoin if your key didn't explicitly say no. They had to wait six months 
where you always had the revoking right because you were the first owner and they were just derivative keys so that if your house burned down, they could recover your funds, they could recover your Bitcoin. It just took six months. They had to wait. Whereas if they tried to conspire against you, you would have six months where your wallet is telling you, dude, you're trying to send a transaction. Did you mean to do that? And if you didn't, you just say, don't do that. And then you know those three people are not your friends anymore. And this is where I think the builders and the service providers and these things, we have tools to fix these things. We have slash tags and hole punch. We have these systems that will be built on public and private key pairs where you have a backup that can get back into your entire digital life where you can easily pay for a cloud service that has a backup and you don't really have to worry about that third party getting hacked because it's generated from your keys, et cetera, et cetera, where backups are few and you do them once and you put it on some metal seed phrases and you have, um, you know, friends and family members that you lean on who can recover it if you don't have control anymore, but they can't take it from you if you do have control. I think those possibilities exist, and I think those things can be built. That's one of the, one of the things that Jack Dorsey and their team is actually working on with Block, is they're trying to create a device that has the simplest setup where you can actually recover, but the user still has control, um, like non-custodial recovery services. And I think this is a place incredibly low-hanging fruit that has such a massive potential benefit if we explore it. Now, that's not really applicable to this very day right now and the way that you should have a backup. Um, so whatever you can do now to protect your password manager or to have a extra backup of your two-factor off-site or whatever it is, I'm not really a fan of the local bank with the safety deposit box. Um, but, you know, some people like that's the, that's the safe way to save stuff. I don't know. I feel like I have less control over that. You know, and if you lose your identity, I mean, your your ID and your passport and all of these things. It's amazing how much damage can be caused by, you know, your your castle burning down your your main citadel, because we rely on it a lot. And especially as Bitcoiners, we try to be as self-sovereign as possible which likely means we are geographically, while being less, less uh, counterpart, ha while having few counterparties involved, we can eliminate our counterparty risk entirely as self-sovereign Bitcoiners and self-hosters and, you know, embassy pro-runners and all of these things. But while we have drastically decreased the risk of a counterparty, we have increased our geographic risk because that's a much more difficult problem to solve. Um, and it's one thing to run your own server, um, you know, to host your own data and stuff. It's another thing to have a backup off-site, because already, you know, self-hosting is a pain sometimes. So anyway, again, this was all just to encourage you to think about it. Um, I hope you learned something, and I hope you aren't too afraid of your setup, but you're at least considering how you might uh, shift it and protect yourself from some of these potential scenarios. And without getting too complicated, again, simple is your friend. Before we close this out, though, I've had a lot, uh, a lot of like really big and awesome boosts um, on Fountain. So thank you. Thank you, guys. 
Um, Mr. Mr. Jumped back in actually boosted the other day. Um, uh, yeah, I made a comment that Mr. Mr. had like a very explicit amount of sats. It's like, I can't remember what it was like 1734 or something like that. But, uh, he says many of us dabble in numerology for our boosts. I do a base boost and add on bonuses. E.g. plus 100 sats. I don't, I don't know what E.g. Uh, oh, example, I guess. Maybe it's caps. Um, for mentioning PC 2.0. Uh, what is that? Podcasting 2.0, I guess. In an episode. Um, plus 5,000 if it changed my life, etc. Oh, that's a that's a tall order. That's probably every episode of Bitcoin Audible changes his life, though. Um, some of the some of the common ones are eleven eleven a sack of Richards. Think about it. One three three seven Leet hackers speak. I don't know. He's got he's got a whole list. I'm not going to go through them. But eight zero zero eight boobs. Of course, you you got to do that. Some people are very serious about their their uh their boosts. I encourage you to put that much thought into your security and backup setup because that's a that's a lot of work into just your boost. See, we have the time. We can sort it out. Treat your security like a game. Okay, guess. Uh, boosted in 3690, 3690 sats. Thank you for your work. You're welcome. Thank you for the sats. Um, then uh, Bitcoin Hurler. You explain and debunk so well. Which one's this one? Peter Zion. Dear Peter Zion. Yeah, I love that. That one I enjoyed a lot. Uh, we need you in Ireland to debate economist David McWilliams, who still hasn't gotten it yet. Former central banker. Former central banker, of course. Yeah, of course. 800 sats. Thank you, Bitcoin hurler. Then P.W. Marchinko. I, I hope that's how you spell it, say it. Boosted 50,000 sats. And came in with a suggestion as to what we call the Back to Basics episode. It says, instead of Back to Basics, call it Back to the Core. And then you can put BTC at the beginning of the episode or even BTTC. Regardless, keep up the good work. Appreciate all you do. Dude, thank you for that boost. That is a heck of a boost. Um, I think... Like, that's fun to put BTC, but I think that is even more confusing <laughs> than, uh, like, I want, I actually would prefer something like just Bitcoin basics or BTC basics or something like that, just to, just to not crowd it out. Like, there was a, I can't remember what, um, when I was originally coming up with the idea of, like, having multiple um, uh, episode types um, oh wait, no, it was like crypto quick, quick read back when we were still the crypto quick, uh, the crypto economy. God, I'm glad I went went away from that. But the crypto quick read, when I would look at my RSS feed, it was funny. Like that was so much that I would see like crypto quick read underscore you know one twenty one dash, and it'd be like dot dot dot. And I wouldn't be able to see anything about the episode type or the the title of the episode, which is why I shorten it to just read. Now, BTC would solve that problem, except that I think there would just be general confusion about like, what, what is that? You know, like I would like people to be able to look at my feed who don't want to listen to the audible versions. Maybe, maybe they just listen to guys takes or they just listen to the chat episodes or something, but somebody wanted to come in and like, let's say you could recommend Bitcoin Audible. You're like, go to the basics episodes that 
you could they could just go to the feed and they could just see this one is basic this one is basic etc whatever whatever the thing is they can just tell that this is the type that they need to go to and they can just listen to those so that they're not listening to me spiel about mini script or um how lightning channels work or something like that because they that is just going to be way over their head so that's something to keep in mind um it's kind of it, it's not a bad idea but i think i want to go simpler um 50 thank you for that that boost though um then s slc another big boost 34,567 sats found you on clint you and clint on part of the problem a while back and forgot how i found you last time reminded me i hope to get more normies listening to this show thank you i hope to get more normies listening to this show thanks in part to this show i buy uh, tx beef with btc my Texas beef, I guess. Wish I had more choices to stack here in NYS. If that's New York State, I know New York is does not have much opportunity there. They uh, they are excluded from a lot of things, unfortunately. That's awesome. Buying beef with Bitcoin. That's there's something very poetic about that. Bitcoin fit. Jumps in with a thousand sats. Thank you for the episode to answer my question on Twitter. Oh, another way to think about Bitcoin's value. Yes, um, uh, you're welcome. Thank you for the sats. Uh, read 554, by the way, for anyone who is trying to get their head around the intrinsic value argument. Um, uh, that one was a really good one. It was by uh, Bradley Rettler. I have the link to that one in the show notes since I mentioned it. Boating accident comes in with a thousand sats. What if you just call it Bitcoin basics? I'm actually considering that. I like this suggestion. Again, going more simpler, better. Um, uh, just on the surface, calling it back to basics sounds more like a review for people who already know the info. That was a good point. 7,000 sats. One of my favorite episodes, Bitcoin Pup. One of my favorite episodes of my favorite podcast. Thank you. Which one? 501. Ooh, the capital strip mine. Alan Farrington. Damn, that's a good one. I am absolutely putting that in the show notes too. Um, thank you, everybody who boosted, and uh, I, we got we got ourselves a notch up on the fountain leaderboards. I think it's time. I think it's time that we demolish this situation. I should have our first Bitcoin basics or whatever. Still haven't come down on anything. I really appreciate the suggestions though, and if you've got one, don't forget to boost. Um, and also. Uh, boost for links to reads. If you have something that I have not read that you think is really, really good, um, I love suggestions and I'm going to stay up on, I'm going to try to make it a habit to always read my boosts on Fountain because it's a great way to just kind of consolidate. So there will be a link in the show notes if you haven't checked out Fountain yet. I would love to hear from you guys. Let me know. With that, let's close this sucker out. A huge thank you to Swan Bitcoin, longtime supporter of the show and the best onboarding service for new Bitcoiners, um, for just Bitcoiners in general, and to CoinKite and the Cold Card for making my backups easy, making my Bitcoin secure, and giving me the coldest of cold storage with the Cold Card and Fold. Sats back on freaking everything. I am already cruising through the 17 million sats um, and this uh, this little sats savings account just from doing all my normal stuff with the full card, it's hard to beat. You got to check it out. Fancy links and discount codes in the show notes. <laughs>
All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I will catch you on the next episode of Bitcoin Audible. And until then, take it easy, guys. Expect the best, prepare for the worst, and capitalize on what comes. Zig Ziglar This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.